Content warning. This episode features discussion of suicide. Welcome everyone to Pen Pen Pals for another episode covering Steins Gate. My name's Alex. Hey, this is Blixa. And this week we're covering episodes, I think it's 1314, if uh, yeah, 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 1314, okay. And uh, uh, Ben still dealing with baby stuff, so we don't know if he'll make it, but we're gonna, we're gonna press on regardless. But we have a fabulous new friend, uh, who's actually an old friend, uh, uh, Ben and I have known him for a long time. Please welcome Nick. Hey, welcome. thank you for having me. <laughs> We're excited to have you. Okay, so uh, you you get to be bullied here. Uh, so do you have a history with anime? And are there any like formative works to your anime experience? I did watch a lot of anime. And when I was, I guess, mostly in grade school through uh-huh. like middle school. So it's it's been a long time. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, my some of my brothers introduced me to... I don't know, a lot of the the popular stuff that I'm guessing your fans are familiar with, like Akira, Ghost in the Shell, Ninja Scroll, and I don't know how popular Fist of the North Star is. That's one I (laughs) liked a lot, but I hadn't thought about in a while and just like came to mind while I was going through this show. But yeah, so it's it's been a long time since I've watched anything, any anime. Welcome back. Thank yeah, you. <laughs> absolutely. Never, never too late to rejoin the cult. Yeah. Cool. Um. So, have you seen Steins Gate before this, or is this your first time watching? No, I hadn't heard of it before. Okay. Have you watched past what we're watching today, or are you just up to date? Well, I thought we were going to be doing episodes fourteen and fifteen, so mm. I'm one episode ahead. I figured I wouldn't watch past, so I couldn't spoil yeah. it. Yeah. Okay, that's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. I did do a yeah, a, a, a rescheduling that that shifted all the episodes. Uh, well, is there anything we any any news we want to cover? Was anything happening with you, Blixa? I don't know. It's not really anime, but um, there was an announcement for another Godzilla movie. Ooh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dish. I can't remember the name of it now. It's a period piece. It's like set in 54 again. Oh, okay. uh, but I don't think it's a remake. Is it Godzilla minus one? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. All I know is the title. I haven't seen production photos, anything. Do, do, mm. it, did it seem exciting? It does look really cool. Uh, it is not attached to Hideaki Anno, though. Okay, so it might not have any, what do you call it, Shingo Jira ties to it. Who knows? Who knows what Toho is doing these days? Madness. They are. They are doing madness. Okay. Well, that is exciting. Something to something to look out for for anybody who's uh, a Tokusatsu fan or a. Um, uh, this will probably be CG though, right? Yeah, it does look very CG. Okay. Okay. I mean, Chingojira did a great job on the CG. Like, I was not yeah. upset that there was very little or no suit acting in it. But yeah, do I do hope that art form continues? I hope not everything becomes CG. I mean, even uh, Shin Ultraman was CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was interesting. Yeah, a lot of uh, what's it called? I just watched. I finally watched. Uh, I fell asleep through part of it, which is not the movie's fault. It was my fault. <laughs> uh, uh, Shin Kamen Rider. Oh my gosh! And that was just so surprisingly bloody. Like I have not watched much yes. of the original. I watched the uh, the Americanized one, just called Mask uh-huh. Rider. Uh huh. But like, I can't imagine it was that gruesome. <laughs> it, it was not bloody. The original was not bloody. Uh, so hats off to Hideaki Anno. Like all three of those movies had wildly different flavors to them. Uh, I mm-hmm. thought for sure that it was just going to be you know the same formula. Yeah, I did like that there's one there's one character who kind of looks like Stephen Colbert who appears in all three of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> there's cute. our continuity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Last time on a series of unfortunate time travels, a surprise attack on Mr. Brawny's serendipitously revealed that the TVs in the CRT shop had been acting as the lifter for the D-mails the whole time. Makise mused that modern memories could be merged with a past mind to cause a conscious time jump. On a shopping trip with Okabe, Mayuri blabbed the new memory sending plan to Moika, just before Suzuha said CERN had stained Makise. Makise denied it, but did reveal her daddy issues to Okabe, who was still being spooked by mysterious texts accompanied by disturbing images. After another unfortunate and pervy incident in the shower, 
Makise finished her work on the memory hopper, but Okabe decided to take the time machine public uh, rather than utilize it themselves. This called for celebration, but after Daru brought up concerns over their linkage to CERN's computers, a bomb threat to the rail system was broadcast, and Suzuha said nope to the whole situation. Then, as if their paranoia was physically manifesting, Moika showed up in a sex kitten spy outfit with masked gunmen. And then, of course, the unthinkable happened. Moika shot Mayuri. Will Okabe do something rash to save her? How different is this world CERN from our own? Do all CERN secret agents wear bondage outfits? Let's find out. Well, we know they all eat Prangles. They all eat Prangles. They're from the cursed Prangles timeline. <laughs> the, 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 the Prangleverse. <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I, I didn't think. Did you have any thoughts about the series as a whole uh, so far, uh, uh, Nick, before we start watching? No, I mean, I'm definitely curious to see where it's going. What is your impression of Okabe, our main character? Uh, <laughs> no, don't do that, Alex. I have listened to some of the podcasts. So oh my god! I know, I know, you've been debating this. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously, mad scientist. He's he's essentially insane, but uh, he does seem to display some warmth at times and show a more human side. So I think, uh, at least in my experience, he kind of grows on you as you get farther into the show. That is a great answer. All right. Well, let's see if he grows in these episodes. <laughs> Three, two, one, play. So I got a kick out of Moeke here. She just looks like the stereotypical like anime villain girl from like 70s animes, which, mm. you know, then she murders one of our main characters. So like, the homage thrill is like quickly tarnished, but she's definitely heightening the the emotional stakes of the the show. Uh, and mm-hmm. and her outfit is a little melodramatic. I guess that's what I thought was interesting. Like, because so far the show seems very real world. I mean, like just in terms of they're just like teenagers in the most costumey thing we've seen is just a lab coat. Yeah, that's true. You know, because like Okabe's behavior is so theatrical and bombastic Mm -hmm. and now we have somebody who like embodies it yeah yeah mocha shows up looking like she's about to infiltrate shadow moses (laughs) has anyone ever been held up at gunpoint i have not i have friends who have no i have not it is a very bad feeling i can imagine oh my god Mm -hmm. Is that all you want to say about it? (laughs) I'm very curious. I was working at Blockbuster and it was a busy Sunday night when everyone's returning the videos and this guy just comes up with a nine millimeter and just points it at me. Uh And I was just like, what the fuck? What do you want? Like there were people all around and no one was noticing a guy just standing there with a gun. And he said, empty all the registers. And I was just like, okay. (laughs) Is that why Blockbuster went out of business? (laughs) <laughs> yeah retail theft I, I got mugged once by someone with their hand in their pocket which i suspect mm. they didn't actually have a weapon but i wasn't thinking and they asked for my money i handed them like the three bucks i had on them <laughs> and then they were like that's not good enough we're gonna walk to an atm and oh. like legit like I'd like lost my ATM card and hadn't replaced it or something. And I was just like, I don't have a ATM. <laughs> and then oh, like, shit. he just like got angry and like walked away. Nice. All right. That one. Like, about as good I'm going to use that gone. one. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. And now for some lighthearted discussion. Yeah. Well, oh, gosh, Ben has used his time Turner to both help with the baby and join us for the discussion. So uh, uh, we have a full roster now. Yeah, I, I think just this first episode and then I'm probably going to run after that. OK. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, let's pick on you. What do you what do you think of this Groundhog Day episode? What's what what sticks out to about it to you? What's interesting, I guess we just get the first leap back here. So we haven't fully, or no, we we have two leaps back. Is that right in this episode? There's the first one where the guy comes up to him at gunpoint, and then we have the train one after that. Yes. 
So I guess, we, yeah, we sort of established that we have this groundhog and it's not just that he has to escape these sinister people, but we get this hint that, yeah, there is something going on with fate where kind of no matter what he does, seemingly Mayuri is going to die no matter what. Yeah. And it's hard to untangle, right? Because CERN is like, is literally becoming this, you know, like all seeing entity. Like you don't know where they are and how many eyes they have out. And it seems to me that it's very clear in this episode that they're the ones who called the bomb threat into the subway to shut down all Mm -hmm. of the transportation lines so that they can't escape. Okay. But still, that last death seems to be completely unconnected to them, right? Yes. But it still happened at like the exact same time that she died before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And her watch always stops. Yes. Right before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, it's symbolic of her life, I suppose. Did, yeah. Did we did we get some origin story for the watch too? Like, was that mm-hmm. connected to the was, grandmother? Yeah, it was her grandmother's watch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I guess that's the other big thing in this episode is we learn sort of a little bit about what her hand thing is that she did this after her grandmother died, um, and also the the backstory of Mayuri and Okabe's relationship and how Mm -hmm. in this time of grief, he was kind of there for her and they started role-playing this mad scientist hostage thing to distract her from from the death of her grandmother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, to Okabe's credit, like that youthful scene where he's kind of instituting this mad scientist hostage uh, dynamic for the first time like Mayuri is disassociating she's like just staring off into space for hours at a time which is not healthy right like this is mm-hmm. she's unable to get over this grief and so he takes on this role that he does role playing to try to give her a safe way back to reality and like mm-hmm. that's that's really admirable especially for a young person and I'm trying mm-hmm. to I'm trying to remember now we've gotten a shot of her at that grave before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and i don't know if it was sort of like you know a shot of okabe's memory of that from you yeah, know one of the times like. she's like doing that thing with her hand yeah. i do think that that's a really strong image just the hand and the light as sort of like a repeated visual that you see across this series mm-hmm. totally agree it's my favorite thing because like it's like she's calling down you know this force into their universe it's great mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how much I can like pick this apart. Like I I I don't know how much trauma uh, Miori still carries. Mm. Um, you know, but it is an interesting parallel. You know, her grandmother dies while she's a child, and then like when you're disassociating, you're stuck. And then we're gonna see Okabe stuck after a loss. And you know, like cosplay can be an escape. Like if Miori has not healed. Maybe all this cosplay stuff is just another form of escaping her reality, mm. which is what Okabe is going to be struggling with, too. Yeah. And you're saying like her hobby of cosplaying. Mm-hmm. And, and and the the role playing with Okabe may be where she found like how she got to mm-hmm. cosplaying as a hobby. Uh, uh, they, I mean, naturally, like one kind of leads into another like, oh, you do yeah. role play with your friends. Well, why not dress up and kind of, you know, look the part? So I guess it does make me like Okabe more like so this Hyoin persona, he just made that whole thing for Maori and like has stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's my problem with him is that he created this Hoin like to help Maori with her own disassociation. But like it becomes his like he he feeds too much into it, even like when Maori's not around. And so it yeah. ends up alienating him from other people that in situations where he's having a really endearing moment with them. Yeah. So in the LARPing community, that's called reality bleed. Oh, tell me what, what does that entail? You know, like method actors, they lose themselves a little bit uh, psychologically. And then like, I don't know firsthand, but like there's a documentary about this stuff. Hmm. People that are really, really submerged in the whole LARPing world. Like they have whole fictional relationships and like conduct wedding ceremonies, like actual wedding ceremonies. And they start to form real attachments to made up characters, mm. role-playing a character that they made up. Do you remember what that? I don't remember the name of the documentary, but like it was funny and quirky, but then it takes a dark turn because like 
they have these crises where like they fell in love with somebody who's not real. Mm. Mm. And it's like the person that they get married to in LARPing has a husband <laughs> and, and kids and a whole ass life. And it's like, oh. That's yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not a good substitute, but there is an over-the-top propaganda film about this called Mazes and Monsters starring a very young Tom Hanks. Pardue, what are you doing? Going to join the Great Hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. Mazeka? Maze controller? Yes. And I have absolute authority in this game. Game? Uh, where oh, he wow. essentially <laughs> plays D&D so much that he goes crazy. <laughs> yeah, sort of like satanic oh, wow. panic era. Exactly, yeah. But there, there were those oh, cases, right, of like the kids exploring steam tunnels and getting lost at least it happened at least one is that time. true though is I that so. i thought it was an urban was, legend i thought there was like i think there's one kind of sensational case where these kids were larping and then got lost down in these tunnels but maybe that is an urban legend i don't know mm. well as far as i know like there are real tragic things that happened but they weren't necessarily because of D&D or LARPing. Like, it's an incidental thing, but it's something that the parents could blame. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe that's... So James Dallas Egbert III was a student at Michigan State University, disappeared from his dormitory, widely reported, linked to his playing D&D, but I guess he had written, like, a suicide note. Oh. Difficulty coming to terms with this homosexuality, drug addiction. Yes, this Sounds is the like guy. There's okay. a lot going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he was 16 when he went to university. So he was oh, wow. a child prodigy too. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of pressure. But it's definitely D&D's fault. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> Orcs and goblins. I do, uh, so bringing it back to the episode, I do love that the watch um, and it's not just the watch. We also had an hourglass that was somehow malfunctioning in like the last episode. Like it inexplicably, it wasn't draining. Like it was clogged, yeah. you know, almost magically. And we're getting the same thing with Mayuri's watch. It stops a few moments before she is killed, which I don't know that there's a diegetic reason for this, but like symbolically, it's great, right? It's like, that's the moment it's too late. Yeah. Everything Okabe does to try to save her up to that point is fine, is valid, is in play. But as soon as that watch stops working and she complains about it, that's his red light indicator that says, mm-hmm. it's over, you have to send yourself back again. Yeah. I don't remember where we landed on this. If there's like a clear explanation of how the mechanism of all this works, like are alternate realities actually being created or are they jumping to other realities? You know, they don't really touch on this, but there is related lore in like that whole conspiratorial realm about Mm -hmm. when a timeline is changed, like that's why the Mandela effect happens, Mm -hmm. that you have these like altered parallel realities or from some perspectives, malformed realities. Mm. Uh, So that's what just popped into my mind when I saw these time devices not functioning. I was like, what if this is a poor replica of where Okabe just came from? Mm. What does that mean, malformed? Uh, Like it's not a fully formed reality. Mm. That is not my area of expertise, though. Mm. I was more about aliens and ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Ask me about that. (laughs) Are ghosts a form of time travel, Blixa? Yeah, they are. All right, all right, all right. They're the the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Stop. Uh, My partner just started uh, uh, rehearsals again for Christmas Carol. So I'm going to be hearing about those ghosts nonstop for the next month (laughs) and a half. So I'm I'm trying to remember because... I guess I missed the last episode discussion, but I guess it's like the end of that last episode. That's sort of like the turning point. We're kind of like out of nowhere. We get a shining finger showing up and starting to murder everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you guys discussed this last time, but I, yeah, so we had this very kind of slow build and now we're in sort of like straight action. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel oh, yeah. about that transition? 
gosh, as far as like a tonal shift in an anime, this is pretty sharp. Yeah. Because uh, like I, f- I was just mentioning to Alex and, and Nick, like I feel like there's an aesthetic change as well. That's like everything has seemed pretty normal. Like the goofiest thing we've seen is like Okabe's weird contraptions that are household items. And now we have someone dressed like a comic book villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't yeah. think about it, but we also were getting more high concept shots, too. We got the mm-hmm. aha music video of him running back to the apartment. Mm-hmm. We also just got this like really high concept. He's, you know, nothing's happening in the shot, but they linger on it for almost a minute mm. of him standing in front of the subway as these lights just flash on and on and on and off of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it is a very sudden shift. Right. And then it like weird stuff from the future happening, uh, this weird conspiracy. But I like the way like you know, since episode one, he's been talking about this like evil organization. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like it's almost like his delusions helped foreshadow what was coming. And like, you know, like he's sort of like, you know, they're just out of thing theorizing about time travel. And then like the time travel starts happening. Like I do the like the way it sort of builds where it's very surprising, but it's also somehow doesn't feel like it just came out of nowhere. I do remember the first time I watched this, I wasn't sure if we were seeing something real because the show is through the lens of Okabe. Yes. And he is off. Mm. And now they are talking about sending someone's mind back in time Mm -hmm. and not knowing what the consequences of that are. And I'm like, oh my God, did they like hook his head up to a microwave? (laughs) And now like all of his delusions, like he's hallucinating them. He has been standing in front of an open microwave a lot. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? That's yeah. gotta have consequences. Yeah. And isn't that the theme of the show? Yeah. Yeah, I guess in the early episodes, he is a little bit like, am I that delusional or something like that? Like, he's like, mm-hmm. like, is something wrong with my memory? Yeah, as soon as they said, like, when he was a kid, he had a fever. I was like, oh, great. Oh, now all bets are off. <laughs> is he just the protagonist of the Wall album? <laughs> Yeah, that's part of it, right? Like, is he schizophrenic or is he have special abilities? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, you know, two ways to take that. Like it can add to your enjoyment of it, the instability or like the duality of it. Or it can just be like, I I can't trust anything. I don't know what's going on. So I can't invest in this. Yeah. I feel like at this point, I'm not questioning his sanity. I think they sort of do that a little bit right at the beginning. But then you're like... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Something weird is going on with time travel. Yeah. yeah. He also hasn't done his coping mechanism in a couple mm. of episodes. Oh, he hasn't done the he stopped into the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to no one. <laughs> and, and oh, I, wow. I think you're you pointed out while we were watching that he calls her Chris, not Christina. And I mm. think there is a little bit like, oh, shit's hit the fan. Like, this is serious. Like, no time for like play acting my character anymore. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I have to actually, it's like forcing him to, to be real. I don't know. It's a little bit the yeah. Shinji get into the robot moment where now he's suddenly been mm. thrust into being the protagonist doing all this dangerous stuff that mm. like he never asked for and isn't really prepared for. Right. Yeah, it's definitely more intense. Yeah, how did you take the 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 tone shift or the direction shift, Nick? As someone who hasn't been watching a lot of anime recently, like, did that take you by a big surprise or is it easy to take in stride? No, it actually took me by surprise. I mean, I feel, yeah, definitely a big tone shift from like some of the kind of more silly, I don't know, like I've, I've enjoyed a lot of the humor, so it definitely mm-hmm. seemed to take more dramatic tone at this point. Yeah, I mean, the other change is like, Suzuha comes back as like a superhero, like a Jackie Chan <laughs> action hero, and yeah. like takes out five guys with guns. They, uh, they have teased that though. She's done some weird action moves in the past, right? Like, yeah, she is a part time yeah. warrior. Yeah, like has these track start runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, oh, but it was uh, uh, in our last episode, I did call. Uh, uh, you know, with a grain of salt, because I did see this 10 years ago. But um, the reason Suzuha bolted out of the room is because she realized what time it is, what was coming, and she went to turn mm. on the CRT TVs so that they could activate the D-mail drive. Mm. Um, which is cool, because it means she didn't, obviously now, but it means she didn't abandon them. She was like, oh my gosh, 
I'm the only one with enough foreknowledge to save us in this moment. Oh my God, that's right. Because the whole Groundhog Day would have never been able to start. Yeah. So, so do you think she is sent back in time with the knowledge that something was going to happen right at this time? Or just she figured out that the only way out of the situation would be to jump back? I think she has imperfect foreknowledge of what's happening. Just like she has imperfect foreknowledge of like, she's come back in time to try to find her dad in Tokyo, but she's not able to find him because she doesn't know what he looks like, presumably. She doesn't have a photo or whatever. What she has is like a history book understanding of the past. She doesn't have someone who was like, this is how it happened. This is what you have to do. Instead, she has like, well, on this day, something terrible happened. So you're going to put yourself in that time and you're going to help fix it. As Sin or uh, Sophie noted uh, last episode, she uh, she's the Kyle Reese character from uh, Terminator, you know? But just like Kyle Reese, like, She's not the savior. She's the one who's come back in time to help the savior, but it's got to be Okabe or maybe even Mayuri, who's the one who needs help surviving. So Suzuha generally didn't know who the villain was. Like she thought it was Makise, but it turns out it's Moeka. Yes. I guess in retrospect, if she thought Makise killed Mayuri, that would sort of explain her hostility. Yeah, but maybe... You have to keep her alive because she's part of developing the time travel that mm-hmm. they need to eventually develop. Mm. Yeah. She's the one who, uh, uh, you know, studies the Terminator arm and creates Skynet. <laughs> Fucking Moeka. Yeah. She acted creepy so, so much. And then... Yeah. Did, did any of you see that coming? No. Oh, my <laughs> God. I've I've seen this before. And I was like, what is Moika doing here? What's going on? I never trusted her. She's just so off. Because I know there's an episode coming up where we kind of get her backstory. We, like, understand her. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I remember that. But I don't remember what the backstory is. And so when she showed up as this agent of death, I was just like, I was flabbergasted. So if she's got something where like her brain got microwaved, I can forgive <laughs> what she did. CERN's just got a brain microwaving factory. Like she just has like a green <laughs> jelly brain. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I guess we should get on to the second episode and let Ben go if he needs to. Um, but, but one more thing I wanted to say, since uh, we had so much fun with Maroka, just so it's in, is that this is the episode where Okabe becomes Homura. Right. He Mm. he wants to go back in time to save the world, but Mm -hmm. he needs a he has an emotional focal point. He doesn't actually want to save the world as a whole. He wants to save Mayuri, which may be the key to saving the world. But like, that's what gives him the drive to Mm. keep trying, even though, as you noted, Blixa, he keeps seeing his friend die in front of his face over and over. Yeah, Yeah. I think Mayuri is his world. Yeah, and I I think the same way in Madoka, we saw Homura kind of get worn down by that mm-hmm. reality. We're going to see the the same thing happen to Okabe. I, you know, they are such similar stories. I do wonder a little bit if this inspired Madoka, because I think the... Oh, because the visual novel was out first. Yeah, yeah maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe it takes so long to make it. You know, I, I don't know, but but it is they're strikingly similar in sort of having this love story where one person has to repeatedly go back and like witness the death of the person that they love over and over again while mm. trying to to figure out a way to change fate, basically. Yeah. Uh, my, my final thought about this, the main character, he changes from all of this trauma. Yeah. Like, is he just Okabe now? Did Hyoin like that? character die or is he like really embodying that now because the stuff he's doing it's freaking crazy yeah i think you know i think there is this question in this series of like there is that hyoin kyoma character but then is okabe playing that character the true okabe or is that like a mask that's hiding the true okabe and now we're seeing the true okabe I think that's something actually that this show is like interested in sort of mm-hmm. like, yeah, is that stuff like important and that's us being our truest selves or is that like, like, you know, weird stuff that distracts us from being our mm-hmm. true selves? Yeah. 
Well, they, it's really well done. You know, like someone who's like really, really suffering under the symptoms of PTSD. These are the kind of like manic mistakes they make that like snowball into like worse and worse trauma. I mean, he's slipping. He's forgetting really basic stuff. Like, like what kind of mistakes or what do you mean? Uh, he forgot about the train station mm. being shut down. Uh, there was several things, but it's slipping my mind now. The train yeah. station one, I feel like was the biggest it's- flub. Sort of that, like panicking and forgetting stuff that he should already know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, identity because I think that might be the core theme of the uh, uh, of the show. Uh, and obviously, we haven't watched the whole thing, so we don't know uh, what what's going to be paramount in the end. But like, almost every character has two names or more. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, right yeah and so like you know what is identity yeah. uh and what identity helps us be our truest or our best selves you know is it the completely honest one or is it the one that we're able to tell ourselves a story about so that we're more confident confident we feel more comfortable with it these are great questions well anyway uh, um yeah see you guys sorry i'm just hopping on and uh nick let's definitely like catch up since we didn't yeah, get for sure. that much it's great seeing you, buddy. Yeah, great seeing you. All right. So, Ben, when next time you come back, can you just like resolve all the identity issues for us? <laughs> yeah, really, really, really I'll, I'll work good on them while I'm gone. Okay. What's all Lucy's right. take? On yeah. Discuss with the baby. <laughs> all right. See you guys. Okay. Well, I am ready if everyone else is. Yeah. Let's queue up this second episode 14 Physically Necrosis. Yeah. I think it's a bad translation. The last one was metaphysical necrosis. This okay. Probably supposed to be physical necrosis. Physical necrosis. Okay, that makes sense. I can only speculate, you know, like the last episode, uh, conceptually things were deteriorating. And I think in this episode, we're going to see- Oh, physical much, deterioration. Much worse consequences. All right. Is everyone ready? Yes. Yeah. All right. Three, two, one, play. Um, he says he created the FGL because he couldn't invent friends. So like Ugh. he's found a way to reach out to other people, but he hasn't found a way to let them in on his own inner workings, his actual yeah. emotions. Isn't that what John Teeter said? He was from the year 2036. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. That's fun. So she is John T- Teeter, Titer, yeah. and uh, she was looking for Beryl Teeter, her supposed father. Interesting. Yeah, we're making a lot of headway in in now. We're now like the plot is finally coming together, right? Yeah. Like uh-huh. we have a goal now. The goal isn't just time travel. Now the goal is we got to save Mayuri. We got to keep CERN from killing her and taking over the world. So our objectives are much more clear, even though our course of action is maybe more confused because we're not quite there yet. Our objective, at least, is clear. Save the cheerleader, save the world. (laughs) Uh, So the question for our main characters was, is that even possible? But Suzuha seems pretty confident that it is. Yes, because she has a series of Nixie tubes, uh, which are cold (laughs) cathode tubes, I just learned, uh, which can display... Uh, numbers or, or numerical information usually, which I love that we kept seeing something like that, you know, yeah. track sense. Every time he leapt, it showed us the new number, the new world line. Uh-huh. But like now we have a physical diegetic representation of it. And I uh-huh. just love it. <laughs> Part of me wonders if whether that wasn't, it wasn't so abstract. It's that she has this device to keep track of how far away they are from that prime world line yeah yeah i like the analogy of like the fibers and the strand of rope as individual mm. world lines all leading to the same place yeah so how could we ever know but do you think there's like a bunch of other alexes and nicks out there in different parallel timelines or i mean we're all probably in a simulation right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And in that case, there'd probably be a bunch of parallel simulations because like, why run one when you can run a million? Yeah, pretty wild to think about. Yeah, but I I do think like 
reality is a myriad of possibilities. I don't know if it's possible to change what possibility ends up being actualized, but like I view the course of events of history as more of a fabric and less of a line, uh, which, which works in with that, um, the rope analogy, right? It may look like it's one thing, but it's actually a whole bunch of things running in parallel, which as you so aptly put, Nick, are all more or less leading to the same point. You know, the universe began, the universe will end, but everything in between is a fluctuation on that journey. Uh, So yeah, we're now, now we're seeing like what I want for Okabe. The, The things about him that are the most frustrating to me are the things that are frustrating about like a horror movie protagonist. They run the wrong way when you know the, the prudent course of action is to run out the door or they know something, but they, they're too afraid of their friends thinking they're crazy. And so they don't trust anyone with the information. And Okabe says, like, I'll do it all myself because he's used to being alone. And so that's just how he thinks he's going to solve all of his problems, which is supremely frustrating from an omniscient, an, om, an, uh, uh, an audience yeah, I mean, yeah. how long has he known Makise at this point? It hasn't been long. Has they have they even known each other a month? Oh, somewhere like between two weeks and a month, probably. the The course yeah. of events of the show is pretty succinct. It doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah, which is funny. In that way, it also is parallel to uh, Madoka Magica because Homura yeah. really only goes over like a month over and over. Right, right. And here it's funny because it's, for the most part, it's like um, uh, two weeks or a month over and over. But in this last episode, it's condensing down to even more than Groundhog Day. Like he's not experiencing the same day over and over. It's the same like three hours over and over. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and every time he he resets, as you said, Blixa, like he doesn't have any perspective. He has no time to rest, no time to catch his breath. So he keeps making the same stupid mistakes over and over in slightly different ways because he hasn't taken the time to actually formulate out a plan. He's still just reacting to things. Well, there's got to be this aspect to this. It's very isolating because he'll have a special moment with somebody and he goes back and it's reset and that's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's a trip. Which, like, I'm sure all of us have experienced in our lives with without time travel, like, you have this, um, you know, cathartic moment with a friend or a colleague or something, and then something changes and they don't feel the same way. And then you feel like all that progress is lost. Or even it doesn't have to be that, like, uh, the progress is lost. But like, I, I know of times in my life where I have something has happened and it meant a ton to me, but it doesn't mean as much to the other people experiencing it. And so when Mm. I refer back to it, it's almost like it didn't happen for them Mm. because like they experienced it, but it wasn't important. So it didn't make a big impact. And yes, those moments, like even without time travel, supremely frustrating and isolating. Yeah. Hell, I've had moments with parents where you bring up some moment that you were like, this was a trauma to me. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. That was a Tuesday. I don't remember anything. (laughs) Yeah. That's how it goes. Life changing for you. But yeah. And uh, uh, there is this piece of information or this uh, uh, like narrative focal point of the 1% barrier, which reminded me of something that I've heard you talk about in uh, your therapeutic practices, Blixa, is the is 1% changes, right? Like mm-hmm. to us, we're like 1%, shouldn't you want to change things like 100%, 50%, like make a big turnaround in the world? And like, a 1% change in the moment can steamroll into huge changes, you know, Mm -hmm. a second, an hour, a year, a century from now. Uh, At least the way I've heard you talk about a 1% change in like uh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or something like that, it really resonated of like, you want to change your life? We'll start with what you can control. Mm -hmm. Work up from that, right? Oh, that's really good for Okabe. I mean, he's got to be overwhelmed, right? Yes. And like everything probably feels really futile. Yeah. Like, so that's something that's like handy when like you're struggling with depression. Like if you, everything seems overwhelming. So if you can break it down into these smaller things, just do a series of 1% changes, you're trying to create that positive snowball effect, a positive momentum. Yeah. Yeah. 
But now that he's got his, well, not the whole team, but at least he's got uh, Makise and Suzuha mm-hmm. there. That's when he finally breaks the cycle. Yeah, that's right. Failing to save Mayuri. It's like, oh, well, you involve a friend, Makise, and then dramatic change. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple or as, but also as overwhelming as saying like, I failed or I lost. Now I need to move on instead of like focusing on fixing the failure, which like ultimately he is still trying to save Mayuri, but he has to be like, I failed to do it on my own. So Mm. I need to try a different approach. I need to let people in or something like that. Like (laughs) accepting your own failure in one way or from one perspective is a lot of the time the gateway towards seeing the su- a potential successful route, which like, I don't know, I'm prone to after I do something that I think is, you know, bad, I feel like I betrayed or failed a friend or something like, you know, I, 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 I sometimes get stuck in that beating myself up mode, which isn't helping anybody. So there's two things that really stand out to me about this episode. Please. I love Makise so much now. It's like that sort of um, Okabe Maori dynamic. And now it's like flipped where Makise is in the Okabe role and Okabe is in Makise's role. Like Okabe's the one who feels like disassociating and helpless. Yes. And like she totally fucking rallies. You know, she does the freaking mad scientist pose. She meets him no. where he is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, damn. Well, let me just ask. Like, how how is everyone feeling about Okabe now? Do we still feel the same way, or are the feelings shifting? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I I I find him more likable. Uh, no, I I totally agree. I think that this is the inflection point I've been waiting for: mm-hmm. is yeah. for him to have a blow to his ego that tells him, "Hey, you can't keep doing things the same way." Like, I just want to see some character growth. Yeah, uh, which is exactly what we're seeing. Like we haven't seen him succeed and change yet, but we're seeing like the breakdown of his bad habits, but out of necessity in order to get to that transformative moment. And so maybe seeing the the dead butterfly like we just saw, right? Like this butterfly is this symbol of transformation and positive growth. Well, first, you oftentimes have to have some pain, some breakdown of your Uh, preconceived notions before you can transform into the new butterfly or the new cicada right and even his name is pointing towards that hoween right that uh that phoenix imagery Mm -hmm. it's not eternal because it's unchanging this unchanging firebird it burns out and from the ashes of it are birthed the new phoenix which is considered Mm -hmm. to be the same phoenix so was that his low point when he was there at the temple talking to ruka he sees the the dead bug in the well, and he just basically relays everything that had happened to her. Yeah, okay, I think you're right. I think that's the low point. I think that's a, a point of reflection because he tells Ruka, he's like, I know that. I know this. I know this. And by telling her, he lays it out for himself. He's like, I've gathered all the information about today, and it's not enough. So mm. that means that gathering all the information is not the proper solution. I have to look elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, mm. when we first started this series, I was like, oh, hey, this is a nice break for Pen Pen Pals. We've got this <laughs> lighthearted anime that's just it's... not too serious. And then, like, his friend gets murdered over and over again. And now the fate of like reality. <laughs> uh, what was I thinking when I said that? <laughs> We had a nice 10 episode break. We did. Those 10 episodes were fluffy. (laughs) Yeah. And now we're back into it. It's one murder, but then that got undone. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't revisited Makise's murder. Um, Now that we have, um, we for sure, it's not a spoiler or speculation anymore. We know Suzuha is Kyle Reese. She has come back as a Mm. warrior from the future to protect the past. I think in that first episode, I don't remember what happens from here on out. Obviously, it's been so long. But I think in that first episode, maybe Suzuha comes back in time to kill Makise. <gasps> oh, fuck. Uh, and what's and uh, Okabe, by sending that D-mail, he derails that plan and, so, and oh, saves yeah. Makise's life. 
oh my god wait that timeline the building shakes that's suzuha arriving ship yeah. crashing and then maki says killed mm-hmm. oh god <laughs> no i hope that doesn't happen that can't be it and, oh my god but it would make sense like why she's so miffed every time she sees uh, makise because it's like this is why it's all happening because this bitch is still alive. Yes. God. No, I don't uh, want it to go that way. <laughs> Alex. Well, we're already on a nicer path because now she, Suzuha can talk to Makise without going on guard and being ready to fight her. Just like Okabe has accepted that he can't do it on his own. Suzuha accepts that maybe Makise can be an integral part of a better future rather than the architect of humanity's i don't know oppression by cern mm. all right this might work out yeah we, we see some light at the end of the tunnel we're we're just definitely we're in the mire we're in the thick of it uh yeah. so there isn't a lot of victory yet you know the part that like i thought was so fucking hard was when they're at the train station i know this was the other episode but like i'm just reflecting on it now like when mayori knows that something's up Mm-hmm. And she asks Okabe, he's like, when this is over, I want you to tell me everything. And he promises. Oh, fuck. That's terrible. Which, like, I think he sincerely believes it. He's like, look, when it's when you're safe, when it's all over, I will explain everything. But, like, from a, I don't know, if we were to put, like, a narcissist lens on it, like, that day never comes, right? Yeah. Um, which I, again, I think he, he thinks like, no, there'll be a day and I'll tell you, but along the course of events that he's going, Mary will never be safe. They'll always be running from CERN. So that day will never come. This is like anime 101. Never promise something hopeful for (laughs) the the other, the supporting (laughs) character, because then they're going to die. Yeah. It's like saying, I'll be right back in a horror movie. (laughs) Oh gosh. Uh, okay, well, any big thoughts about this episode? Any or, or the story thus far from any of us? It feels like I can breathe. Okay. It feels like there's some hope for something good that's going to... It's like a turning point. I agree. And to the credit yeah. of the show, I think that's how Okabe feels. He can finally, now that he's, you know, let this out, told someone about the problem. And like, gosh, isn't that the way? Like whether it's being a kid and having nightmares and telling someone about the nightmares and then like that changes how the nightmare happens in your head or like figuring out you're trans or gay or whatever and like eating yourself up inside. And the moment you tell someone like, I'm Mm. concerned about this or I'm feeling this, it's a wave of relief off of you because now it's you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Whether the other person has the answer or not, they're there on your side. You're not You're not shouldering anymore. that burden on your own anymore. Exactly. It's shared yeah. with the people you love. Uh, all right. I do like Okabe. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on our way towards, towards a better. Def- definitely more sympathetic. Yeah. More. So I, I am impressed with the writers. Like, just like the character development. It's all the little stuff. Like when he meets Makise at the restaurant, there's so many opportunities for him to do all his like smart ass shit. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't. He's just normal. He's more <laughs> focused now. Yeah. Yeah. No time for that shit. Nick, do you have a favorite character so far in the cast? Ooh. Um, I haven't thought about it. I <laughs> kind of like Daru. Just yeah? this, like a funny, perverted background character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, fun. He's a good friend. That hacking. Yeah. Well, I'm going to get sentimental. Okay. My obvious pick is Makise. Like I already said something to that effect. I just feel like we could all use a Makise in our life or like to be the Makise to someone else in their life. If I was able to have that, I would be pretty satisfied. Yeah. I think Mayuri is my favorite. Of Um, course. (laughs) Kidding me? She's awesome. She's the glue. And she's Madoka for for this series. She's the the positive one who's like, oh, I just want everyone to get along and for the world to be okay. And she's the one who gets sacrificed to make the world okay, Mm -hmm. maybe. I mean, I don't think she'll end up being sacrificed. I think they'll find a way to save her. I hope so. It's anime, you know, (laughs) like fucked up shit can happen. 
they're not going to follow hero's journey <laughs> no, no, no 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 and we've definitely gone cosmic i think because the fate of the future is now yeah. hanging in the balance all right. Well, if we if we feel pretty good about the episode, uh, we can uh, uh, put the spotlight on Nick one more time, yeah, uh, and ask uh, if if our audience is enjoying the the lighthearted and sometimes very dark time travel of Steins Gate. Is there anything you'd recommend? An- another anime, another time travel thing, a movie? What what you got? Anything in your back pocket? I brought it up earlier. Not sure if we were recording, but I, I'm going to say the movie About Time. Just okay. Just because I feel like it complements the storyline nicely, um, mm-hmm. even though it's live action. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Since I'm not as uh, familiar with anime in general, mm-hmm. so that would be my recommendation. Okay. Um, also, if, uh, you know, maybe Groundhog. Yeah. Not everyone's seen that. Solid. Right? Bill Murray. <laughs> Uh, Billy. Who's, the, who's the female lead in that? The love interest. I can't remember. Andy McDowell. <gasps> yeah. Very that's what nice happened to Andy McDowell. She was everywhere for the <laughs> 90s. I think she's just living her best life. Okay. Yeah. I think Good she made her. her movies and was like, you know, hanging out, just being Andy. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I hope. <laughs> Good look on IMDb. She's probably yeah. still doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Um, I want I want to report on Andy McDowell on my desk by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there anything you want to promote or plug? I guess. Uh, well, I, Alex, I've talked to you a lot about him recently. You found Noah Harari. I find it very fascinating. Uh, okay. Where do you write? So I'm going to plug his book, Sapien or Sapiens Homo Deus. I don't know who this is. What's he's, the gist? he's a historian. Okay. And then he also, so like Sapiens is a brief history of humankind. Hmm. And it's like less than 500 pages. So it's like, it's like a, a quick, fascinating read. And Homo Deus, I'm reading now. Uh, it's a brief history of the future. So oh, okay. Some, like All speculations right. about where everything's going. Are, are there predictions? light or are they dark kind of both okay I mean, <laughs> yeah it's kind of like you know we should be really cautious about how we proceed so it's kind of he tries not to be overly optimistic or pessimistic but okay yeah i find him fascinating and does it say specifically what happens to me uh yeah okay <laughs> okay well <laughs> don't tell me i i don't want to know i just want to know spoilers yeah. alex okay All right. Should I kick us off? Yeah. Pen. Pen. House. Do, 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 do. Love it.